And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 365. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. That's me. And welcome along to the show. So, 365, it's a weird sort of anniversary issue, I guess. We've actually done 366 episodes, but who's counting? And so that means that if you start on January 1st of a leap year, you will not have to repeat yourself if you listen to an entire episode of our show every single day of the year. So that is kind of a weird sort of thing, but okay, sure, I'll take it. (laughs) It just means we've been doing this thing for now, going on, what, eight years, nine years? It's been a long time, folks, yeah. But before we get started this week, I just wanted to talk a little bit about a book I just read. And this has been put out by by, uh, Tomorrow's Press and is actually uh, an edition of the Jack Kirby Reader uh, it's issue number 75 of the thing, the Jack Kirby checklist or what, one of those Jack Kirby magazines. And it's a, a book called Stuff Said. And I've been wanting to read the book for a while. And, and what this is, is a, a look at the working relationship between Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And one that I think has been badly needed because I think that you you all know my opinions on this and this is something we've talked about in the show. We haven't talked a lot about it lately because we're not covering Stanley Jack Kirby issues anymore. So it's it's interesting because I think this is probably the definitive look at Kirby and Lee's working relationship, how the Marvel method worked, how that this was not really fair to some of the people involved and how you know the relationships were affected, how Marvel was affected, how the comics business was affected by this relationship. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I say this is probably the, the fairest, most even-handed look that we're ever going to get of this relationship. And I would highly recommend it. It's, it's from Tomorrow's Press called Stuff Said, you can order it on Amazon like I did. I think I paid 14 bucks, which was, I think that's about 10 bucks discount from, but, but you know, special, yeah, anyway, you, you know how it comes when you, when, uh, you know, we have Amazon discounts and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, it is copiously illustrated, not just with, with Jack Kirby art. Uh, and I think that uh, they did a really nice job of balancing out the, a lot of the things that I've said about the Lee Kirby relationship on this show are confirmed in that book, which makes me think that I was on the right track to begin with. So I, I definitely recommend it and I hope that uh, y'all will uh, reach out and, and grab it. And if not, uh, you know, grab it. Maybe you can get it at the library or something like that. Again, that stuff said and uh, I believe the author's name is Morrow. It comes from uh, from Two Morrow's Press, and it's pretty easy to find. So anyway, uh, just just letting you guys know, I loved it. 
I think that it's a really fair and balanced look with, with no snark intended there. All right, and without any further ado, we have something to cover this week, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the god of So we've spent the last few months covering stuff from the 1973 era of Thor. And so this week we are actually going to take a break from that. Actually, we're going to be taking a somewhat longer break from that, which I'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, we are going to be covering a comic that I just discovered the existence of yesterday. <laughs> and uh, because we have a mythology episode tomorrow and I didn't want to break up the next little chunk of, of issues that we're doing. Uh, we're going to cover this. This is a one shot. It was published in 2017. It is called The Thunder Generations or The Generations Thunder, The Mighty Thor and The Unworthy Thor. And this was uh, published back, like I said, in, in 2017 and roughly corresponds with the uh, Mighty Thor series, which is the Jane Foster Thor and I think it, it comes out or came out uh, about the same time as the unworthy Thor did. Generations, the thunder. Jason Aaron was the writer. Mahmoud Asrar was the artist. Jordi Belair was the color artist. VCs Joe Sabino was the letterer. Uh, Mahmoud Asrar and Jordi Belair also did the cover. Uh, there were alternate covers. Sarah Brunstad was the associate editor. Will Moss was the editor. Tom Brevoort was the executive editor. Axel Alonzo was the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada was the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley is president. And Alan Fine is the executive producer. And the cover shows Thor, and he is facing off against Jane Foster Thor. And they're, they've both got their hand on Mjolnir, and Thor is dressed in his old school Jack Kirby designed costume here, which which indicates something is going on here. He still has still has both eyes. He still has both arms. So uh, yeah, we we get a sense here that that uh, this is a Thor from the past, as far as the girl Thor is considered. Uh, behind the two of them fighting over the hammer looms the face of Apocalypse, who's a character who uh, I don't normally associate with Thor. So, okay, that's kind of interesting. It's a nice dynamic cover here. And we open up to uh, the splash page. An instant apart, a moment beyond, loosed from the shackles of past, present, future, a place where time has no meaning, but where true insight can be gained. Make your choice. Select your destination. This journey is a gift. The Prince of Asgard, the young and headstrong Odin's son, is destined to one day wield the hammer Mjolnir as the god of thunder. But first he must prove himself worthy. Until then, he defends the people of Midgard, especially those known as Vikings, with the axed Yarnbjorn at his side. The unworthy Thor. Dr. Jane Foster met Odin's son millennia after he earned the hammer, and they became lovers, then friends. But when a whisper cost Odin's son his hammer, Jane heard Mjolnir's call, for there must always be a Thor. Now, despite the cancer that is killing her mortal form, she defends the realms against all enemies. The mighty Thor. Generations, the thunder. And you get a nice little pin-up here on the splash uh, with the art by Oliver Coipel and Jason Keith, uh, showing the two characters fighting side by side. Uh, it's a bit misleading because, as you'll find out in the issue, only one of them actually has Mjolnir. 
hence the unworthy part. Uh, but they're both throwing hammers towards the reader here on the cover. And we open the story. It says, many years ago in the Weapons Hall of Asgard. We have young Thor, and he's portrayed here as an adult. I mean, he's portrayed here much like the young Thor in Thor, God of Thunder, where he looks like he's you know in his, in his 20s or 30s here. Um, but he's trying to lift the hammer, and he's not able to, and he's going, yes, at last, the hammer is coming off the pedestal. Now if I can just lift it high enough to... And uh, the voice comes from behind, Thor, what in the name of the gods do you think you're doing? And of course, it is Odin here interrupting him. I have told you a trillion times to never touch that damned hammer. Father, I almost have... And he drops it, and and he drops it because he's been hit by a little bit of a magic bolt from, from Odin. Your old father has spoken, boy. No, that was the highest I've ever... You try my patience, Thor. Even more so than your wretched brother. Mjolnir is not to be touched. Not by anyone. It's far too powerful. And too poor damned wild. And, uh, yeah, and Thor is all despondent that he can't lift the hammer. I just saved Midgard from an army of rampaging storm giants. I battled them for nine days straight. The only nourishment I have tasted has been my own blood. I thought perhaps I might finally be... Worthy. Worthy. You wish to be worthy of something, says Odin. Be worthy of me, boy. Be worthy of being the prince of Asgard. Look at you, dressed in rags. You spend so much time on Midgard, you're starting to look like one of those filthy beasts. We are receiving a delegation from Vanaheim this morn, and you will be there, looking like an Odin son for once. In the throne room, do you hear me? Not on Midgard. And not fooling about with hammers. And dress in your formal wear, or there will be hell to pay, I promise you. And Odin goes, goes stalking out of the weapons room, leaving Thor there alone. And we shift to a uh, scene in the throne room, and it looks very much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe throne room, except for the throne being on a back wall, large wall, instead of in a corner, kind of like they have it in there. And Odin is sitting on the throne, and we have various familiar characters hanging around, and let's see if we can pick out a few of them. Well, Sif is there, certainly. Uh, Balder, uh, Brunhild, uh, the Enchantress, Loki... Uh, Thor, of course, uh, we have Volstagg, Fandral, and Hogan. Lorelei, looks like, is uh, hanging out here. And the Executioner, Thor is complaining about his clothes. And he is actually dressed in the Jack Kirby costume. So this is kind of classic Thor look here. And he's pulling at the collar and he's going, <laughs> formal wear. I hate the damn formal wear. Well, why do you wear it for like 40 years? You there, bring me the mead, all the mead you can carry. And it's this uh, weird, <laughs> it's, 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 he's a waiter. I mean, there's no other way of putting it, but uh, he's, he's got this uh, little hipster goatee mohawk thing kind of going on. Uh, sorry, my Lord Thor, but uh, we've been told not to serve you mead until after the reception. All father's orders. Please don't kill me. And Thor turns away all angry. No hammer, no Midgard, no mead. The old one-eyed bastard is ruining all my fun. What next? No riding goats or hearing prayers and uh, he's hears something and, and turns his head and Odin is uh, on his throne and he's grumbling here by a mere frozen beard where are those blasted Vanir 
and there's a, a vizier type standing beside him, an advisor. They've just arrived, sir. They're at the Bivros now. Best send someone to fetch them, lest they get frightened by the sight of buildings and indoor plumbing. Thor, go greet these backwoods gods and bring them. And Thor's gone. And it's like, Thor, where the hell is my son? And we see Thor, and he is flying on goat back uh, through the Kirby space. Uh, and we see Asgard in the background, the Rainbow Bridge, of course. They're racing towards Earth. It says, the prayer that soared across the heavens to the ears of the Thunder God was a prayer of desperation. A prayer from Midgard, from one of Thor's most devoted of followers. One of those fearsome warriors of the North known as the Vikings. Far had they sailed from their homes in the Nordic lands, farther than they have ever sailed before, all the way to the greatest river in the world. And we see a bunch of Vikings on a ship. Uh, we have both male and female Vikings, look very Viking-y. And we have a nice double-page spread here. And they have apparently reached Egypt. And we get these uh, you know, very Egyptian-looking boats and things, which are very anachronistic. And we'll, we'll talk about that later, I guess. But this is the Nile. There they found a strange land unlike anything they had ever seen. And they did as Vikings do. But the land was far from undefended. And there's a big battle going on between these Egyptians and the Vikings and uh, yeah, they're all fighting, and then all of a sudden they are interrupted by a big shadow looming over everybody, and the Vikings are like, Odin's beard! And one of them, uh, the female, is going, Thor, hear my prayer. Grant us your strength to face whatever that is. <laughs> strength was what they prayed for, but Thor was feeling particularly generous that day, so divine intervention is what they received, and Thor comes riding forth on his goat, and he says... You prayed, and the mighty Thor has answered. Now tell your lord of living thunder, who is he to smite? And as he says that, his goat is struck right in the chest by a giant zzzk. And Thor is thrown off it, and he goes flying with his axe, and he's like, gag! And he lands on the ground, and he's getting up, and he says, Ah, I suppose tis you. And a voice comes, Fools, you dare invade the land of Egypt. The land of An-Sabanur. You have crossed the world only to die in these sands at the feet of Apocalypse. And Apocalypse is looming over everybody and he's got his rubbery arms. I, what is, I don't remember when Apocalypse became a stretchy character. <laughs> Maybe, has he always been a stretchy character? Maybe he has. I, I you know, I have very few Apocalypse comics. I mean, I, I go back to his first appearance in X-Factor, and that's about it. Anyway, he's got these uh, Mr. Fantastic sort of rubbery arms things going on here. And uh, Thor's looking very alarmed by this. Apocalypse has shrunk down a little bit. It's looking a little more normal. He's got his uh, guards here. and they Actually, they, this is something, it's, it's kind of a callback. It's kind of cool. Is they, their, their armor looks like the armor of Seth's army. If you remember back in the the old Thor issues. But anyway, um, he goes, Warriors of Clan Akaba, welcome these would-be intruders to our holy land. And Thor apparently knows who he is, and that is because we have a reference here to Uncanny Avengers number 6 from 2012, which I have not read. Apocalypse, says Thor. I never thought I would be joyous to see you again, villain, but consider me very joyous indeed. Now prepare to taste my thunder, you... 
And as uh, he uh, says that, he brings down or a giant bolt of lightning comes down with a radar very powerful uh, bolt of lightning that throws up Thor backwards and some of the Vikings too. And it's powerful enough that it even staggers Apocalypse, although he doesn't get thrown back because he's, he's really big. But he gets thrown back a little bit. That, that wasn't me, says Thor. How did, wait, is that? And we get a full page here and it is Girl Thor and she comes striding out of this giant lightning bolt thing and she's thinking to herself, what, what just happened? I was with the Avengers and then... You, says Thor, where did you get that hammer? And she turns around and says, Odin's son? The name is Thor. Who are you? I am also called Thor. A woman, Thor. Do not be ridiculous. Did my father send you here to torment me? Is that why you are holding my birthright, my Mjolnir? How are you holding Mjolnir? How is a wench worthy of the hammer when Thor is not? Perhaps because you use words like wench. And she's thinking to herself, This is clearly not the Odin son I know, and I've known him for a very long time. I guess the question shouldn't be where am I, but when am I? And she looks around and she sees that she's in Egypt and there's a bunch of Vikings and stuff. Vikings? I must have traveled through time. But why here? What could there possibly be here for me to... And a thoom coming from behind her as a giant foot crashes down, very Monty Python-like. And of course it is Apocalypse. What is this? Now Thor brings his concubine into battle. This is pathetic, even for an Asgardian. Do you know how to use that hammer? Asks Thor to Jane. I, a mite. Then I suggest you use it on his face, repeatedly. I was having very similar thoughts. And what Mjolnir does not pummel your axe, Yarnbjorn is welcome to cleave. That doth sound like a plan, says Thor, and they go rushing forward. For Asgard, shouts Thor. For Asgardia, shouts uh, Jane. What sayest? Never mind, just smite. And they go attacking uh, Apocalypse. And the caption says, Jane Foster feels most alive when she is fighting, when there's something in front of her that she can punch or throttle. For she cannot throttle the cancer that is ravaging her human form. And recently she has begun to wonder if she should bother having a human form at all. Why not live the life of a god forevermore? Why not hold the hammer until the end of time? The more she thinks those thoughts, the tighter the goddess of thunder grips her Mjolnir, and the more Jane Foster slips away. And uh, she's leaping at uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse is kind of smacked. Uh, male Thor aside. The Vikings are fighting the Egyptians and the Vikings are all talking here. Says, There's too many of these infernal devils and they're all imbued with their blue god's wizardry. We should never have come here. We never should have listened to. And then uh, there's a bah. Their god doesn't even carry an axe, says Thor as he wades in and he's, he's zapping these guys. Uh, some of these guys have sickles uh, or scythes. I guess they're sickles, but they're kind of mounted like a sword and they, they have like lightsaber blades on them so i guess that's the the power that apocalypse is feeding to them nor will he drink ludicrous amounts of mead with his followers in the land of the dead after they've died gloriously in battle but thor will and he goes in there and he's he's just slashing through them and knocking them all down and uh, he knocks out down this first wave of them and he's uh, turns to the vikings he's like 
Thor will carry you to Valhalla himself on the backs of his flying goats. Thor will present you to the Allfather and speak eloquently of your fearsome deeds. Thor will comfort your grieving wives. So tell me, Vikings of Midgard, what god do you choose to die for this day? And uh, the goat comes swooping down, is keeping the, uh, keeping the uh, Egyptian soldiers back. And they all go, Thor! For Thor! Arr! And they go um, rushing forward. And Apocalypse has wrapped up uh, Jane in his stretchy arm. And he says, even in the middle of battle, Jane notices how the god of thunder inspires his Vikings. And uh, they're, they're attacking. And Thor says, I've cleaved you open once. I can do it again, giant. And Jane notices how the Vikings also inspired their god instead of the other way. And what is a Thor without roots in Midgard? Perhaps that is no kind of Thor at all. And we have Apocalypse yeah, being all stretchy and trying to grab Jane as she's flying around. And she gets uh, felled to the ground because somebody else has interfered. And we have a new character on the scene. And we have distant past Loki. So the, the previous incarnation of Loki. We've encountered this character before. Uh, in Was it the Loki mini? Uh, it, was, it was sometime not too long ago. But uh, we had, you know, he's kind of got purple skin and he wears these fur shoulders and he's got this huge horned helmet where the horns come out the side. And yeah, he, he doesn't look a lot like the uh, classic Marvel Loki. But anyway, he says, well, 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 a shield maiden wielding mighty Mjolnir. Aren't you a strange little visage? And she recognizes him. She says, Loki? You have me at a rare disadvantage. You know me, yet I know you not. Tell me your name, fair lady, and perhaps I will deign to divine your future for you. I know my future and yours, so know that this is fully justified. And she smacks him right across the face with Mjolnir, sends him flying back, and uh, he's looking positively gleeful here. And he says, Heh, no doubt. So you know that it was Loki who urged the Vikings to invade this land, all to lure my contemptible brother into the battle he now finds himself fighting. But as it turns out, I didn't even need to bother with all of that, did I? Seeing you with that hammer in hand will no doubt kill him before even Apocalypse can. <laughs> Many thanks, my lady. Until our paths cross again. And Loki goes uh, disappearing away. And uh, Jane says, When our paths cross again, you will sorely regret it, Prince of Wise. But until then, I know another villain in desperate need of pummeling. And uh, she goes flying towards stretchy-armed apocalypse here. And uh, yeah, so Thor, Thor is still fighting him. And the Vikings are kind of surrounding him and, and attacking, uh, attacking Apocalypse's legs, basically. Uh, we have a, a half-page uh, splash here of Jane just walloping Apocalypse in the face with Mjolnir. And we have the uh, caption going on. We see also real Thor with his axe uh, fighting as well. We get some, uh, get some captions here. And so the battle raged, and the land of Egypt shook from sky to sand. One enraged Thor is enough to crush an army of trolls or a horde of dragons, or more giants than there are whiskers in Odin's beard. Two Thors? What in all the realms can hope to stand before the rage of two Thors united? And we get both of them uh, lunging forward, and they seem to be getting the better of Apocalypse, and it says here, 
not Apocalypse, not anything. And they defeat Apocalypse, he topples, and everyone goes, huzzah! And the Viking ships go sailing off, and they're being towed by, by Thor's goat. I'm not sure which one it is, because I don't think they said. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're sailing off, and um, the Vikings are like, we have bested the Lord of Egypt, and Thor has stolen the nose from their ridiculous Lion Man statue. So, yeah, so apparently this is how the uh, the Sphinx lost its nose. We know historically how that happened, and that is not true. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, he's carrying a stone nose behind him. Thor is on the boat with the Vikings, and they're saying, All glory to Thor, the god of thunder. And Thor says, Aye, all glory to Thor. My father did not send you, says Thor to, to Jane. Your father and I have never seen eye to eye. But it would seem we have more than a name and a love of hammers in common. Who are you? A friend, she says, from a distant time. How did you learn to carry that hammer? By watching you. Me? Bah. I can barely even lift it off the pedestal. Nevertheless, you persist, and I know why. You do it for them. <laughs> they are but Vikings. I know very many Vikings. Tis not your divinity that will make you the god you are destined to become, young Thor. Tis your humanity. Never forget that. And she's thinking to herself, you're totally going to forget that. I plan on drinking until I forget all of this, says Thor. That is a very human thing to do. But before you start, let me say thank you. Thank you for reminding me why I should never let go and why I must. And with that... She is interrupted by, the, the, again, the giant lightning bolt coming down and whisking her away. So Jane and Mjolnir are gone. And Thor says, witchcraft. Knew she had to be a witch. And uh, he's talking to um, uh, the Vikings and he says, Onward, let us hasten back to your village so Thor can comfort the grieving widows. But Thor, the few who fell in battle had no wives. And I will comfort the wives of the ugly men. The thunder god has spoken. And they're all heading back to Norway or wherever they're from. And we cut scenes and we are back in Asgard. And Thor is back in the weapons room trying to lift the hammer. And he's going, higher. It is definitely higher off the pedestal than yesterday. No wizardry here. Just pure worthiness. Ha! Behold! High enough off the pedestal for a frog to hop beneath. A small frog, perhaps. The mighty Thor will be swinging this hammer in no time. And we get a caption here, and this is obviously coming from Odin. And he says, uh, The boy will never learn. In my experience, boys never do. Even immortal ones. And he is talking to somebody who we can't see uh, while he's spying on, on Thor, trying to lift the hammer. It was different in my day. My sire, Bor, was a brutal tyrant. I swore I would never be like him as Allfather, but it turns out battling trolls and fire giants is nothing compared to dealing with mine own children. And a voice comes from behind him. This is fascinating, truly. But why have you called me here to speak of this? Don't you have wives for such things? Aye, I have a few, says Odin but none like you. No, I expect not. And you never will, Odin, for there are no others like the phoenix. And we see 
that he is talking to uh, Phoenix. Uh, it's like the embodiment of the Phoenix Force. Uh, kind of doesn't look exactly like Jean Grey, but yeah, and basically it, it, it's implied here that this is the Phoenix, same Phoenix that uh, uh, you know destroyed the Dabari and, and all that stuff back in the X-Men. I did once have you. Ah, arrogance is all you have now, and a very poor memory. No, I remember those times well. Each and every second is seared into my brain. I miss those times. I miss you. Uh, Odin looking very Santa Claus-like here, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's just for one panel, anyway. What you think you miss, Allfather, is either dead or never existed. Do not call upon me again, unless you would like to see your golden Asgard and all those pretty wives and children turn to ash beneath your feet. And she turns into her bird form and goes screeing off into Kirby's space, uh, leaving Odin alone. And he says, How can I forget what it was like to make love to fire, to hold the storm in my fist, to stand in the light at the dawn of a world, father of nothing and master of all? How can I forget the one time in millennia when I was truly alive. And we see a much younger Odin here who is uh, he's wearing what looks like Girl Thor's helmet, almost. Uh, and he is kissing uh, the Phoenix Force who uh, is kind of hanging off of him. And he's uh, holding Mjolnir in, in his right hand. And that is the end of the issue. It says, next Thor against Thor, the mighty Thor number 23, which we're not going to get to. And it says, for more on Odin and Phoenix, don't miss Marvel Legacy number one. And that is it for this issue. So we'll be talking about this issue right after this message. Hey, I'm Jen. And I'm Sean. We're here to tell you about our podcast, Worst Collection Ever. And this is the show where we tell you about the worst comic book collection in existence. And it just happens to belong to us. We have some of the worst comics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're bad. They don't, Terrible. They're not worth anything. No good. Why do we Very own them? Bad. I own a number of issues of Terror, Inc. and Guy Gardner. Basically, we go around to local comic book stores and we buy everything we can out of dollar boxes. We tell you about the weird stuff in them. We tell you about stuff that's related to then we go into tangents and we're very uninformed so oh my god totally but totally check out our podcast because you'll hear us just talk and joke about marvel books and dc books from god only knows when that's right it's our show worst collection ever every tuesday on itunes stitcher anywhere you get your podcasts download rate subscribe tell a friend it'll be good and terrible but good And we're back. And of course, we have a few comments about the issue, as we always do. So there's a few things that kind of stand out here about the issue. Generally speaking, it's it's a bit lean, and that's okay. I mean, this is more the decompressed storytelling that you get nowadays. Not a lot of substance actually happens in this book. Thor goes because he hears a prayer from the Vikings. Uh, he gets to fight Apocalypse. Girl Thor shows up for very ill-defined reasons. They defeat Apocalypse, and that's it. So story-wise, this is really nothing special. There's, I under, kind of understand why they told this story. This is sort of a transition issue. You know, they've brought the original Thor character back in his own book. 
uh, and they're kind of starting to wrap up the Jane Foster Thor stuff. So this is sort of a transition, and, and I and I do get that. So understood why they did it. But as a story, it is it is fairly pointless. You have this little epilogue with with Odin and the Phoenix Force at the very end, which ties into something that we're never going to cover, so it really doesn't matter. And yeah, there's a number of major issues with this story. Um, now, of course, we can't expect Marvel Earth history to be identical to real Earth history, but the Viking era, and you're you're talking vaguely, you know, eighth to tenth century, and the Egyptians, as portrayed in this issue, were not anything like this. This is not the classic age of ancient Egypt. That was two thousand years before this took place, a time when we didn't have the the sort of classic, uh, you know, Norse culture as as we see it here so you know at the time that this takes place i mean egypt is in its medieval period i mean we, we we're already muslim at this point this is not a uh, you know so there, there's this huge disparity between history somebody was thinking ancient egypt ancient vikings yeah yeah same same era yeah, no, they weren't. Uh, not not even the least. So that's a major flaw here. I know Apocalypse is tied to ancient Egypt and not to Muslim Egypt, clearly, although he does have an Islamic uh, name or a um, at least a, an Arabic name as opposed to the, uh, the ancient uh, Egyptians that are portrayed here. Now, you could make a no prize argument here that Apocalypse's armies are ancient Egyptians, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if that's ever actually been established in the comics or not. So uh, for the moment, I'm going to kind of call foul on that and just say that story-wise, the issue is not very good. Art-wise, though, I, I kind of like it. I, I like this artist. I like what what he's doing here. His his style reminds me actually a great deal of Stuart Immonen. It has that similar quality to it. He has a very uh, naturalistic style. Uh, his his humans look like they are real people. Uh, there's, you know, real anatomy. Uh, he has a pretty good grasp on the anatomy. His, his style is stylized without being without being too stylized. It's not it's not Kirby levels of stylized. And I would say that it certainly is, um, you know, decent, his artwork. He also does take a, a, a good deal of inspiration from the work of Oliver Koipel, which is completely understandable. Oliver Koipel, obviously, as a Thor artist, is iconic. I own Oliver Koipel Thor pages myself, so I know, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I do like the artwork, and I, th I think they did a really nice job. He has a problem with, with lips, <laughs> um, and that goes for most of the characters, but um, particularly for Jane, uh, her, her lips are, you know, from the front are fine, but uh, from the side, it looks like she's doing a duck face all the time. Uh, I, yeah, I think he's much more comfortable drawing the, uh, the male figure than the female figure. That, that's true for a lot of artists, I think, particularly male artists. But I have really have very few complaints about the artwork. I think the artwork is fine. Uh, he is a good storyteller. It has a nice flow to it. 
and yeah, uh, generally speaking, he's not somebody I would mind seeing on other books. All right, and with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Hey, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.